0: So, looks like everybody's leaving. I want to talk this morning about coming alive and follow on. I talked to the last couple of weeks about uh, the transformation we saw in Peter, where Peter um, was taken from this place of being a fisherman, um, very comfortable fishing in Galilee, and within four years had become this. what Jesus said, you will be a fisher of men. Uh, walking into the temple of Jerusalem, seeing a man who was blind, uh, crippled from, from birth and, and setting him free, saying, in the name of Jesus, get up and walk. Demonstrating what Jesus had done with his disciples early on when he sent them out in twos and he, he gave them probably the most tough uh, commission that anybody's ever received. He said, I want you to go out and declare the kingdom and I want you to take nothing with you. I don't want you to take any resources. And they must have gulped, and maybe he said to them, because I have come into this world as one who wants to reveal and declare to you that there is a realm that you cannot see that is more powerful than the realm you can see. And everything in you rises up and says, that cannot be true because I cannot see it, I can't touch it. And so the purpose of God's word becoming flesh and walking in this world was to say there is another way of looking, l- another way of living for those who live with arms and feet and legs and hands and limitations, a way of living that they have never touched on before I came into the world. And so he sent his disciples out and he said, take nothing with you that is visible and everything that you need will be, atta- will, will be inside you and go and heal the sick and set demons free. Because ultimately, he says, the authority and the presence of God's Spirit that you carry within you will overcome that. And Peter learned over those four years walking with Jesus how to become a carrier of the Spirit of God. And what God is releasing in his church more and more and wanting to release are people who say, Lord, I want to be a carrier. I want to be one who carries your Spirit. And the challenge is that we often want to carry God's spirit. We want to see the dynamic get up and heal. But God says, I, I can only, you can only carry me when you allow me to kill you. You go, that sounds cruel. He says, no, I want to kill what gets in the way so that I can release what doesn't get in the way. And so the, one of the key points in Christianity is learning that actually everything from God is invisible and everything that we value is visible and how to live with that tension, that paradox, but also declaring what is going to be the truth. And so you have someone like Paul, and so I want to explore that, and I'm not quite sure how this is going to come out, but I want to try and explore that um, as an encouragement to us um, that there's a paradox, and the paradox with Jesus is always... Um, in your brokenness and weakness, you become strong. In your emptiness, you become full. In your lostness, you are found. In your confusion, there is, is victory. And so it's learning how to take hold of the invisible truth when everything in me is denying it. That truth is a person called Jesus. Jesus. And so the, the battle we're in is that the enemy that we fight is who is the one that tried to, who tried to kill Jesus on the cross. The enemy that we fight will always speak to us and say that's that's not true. The enemy we fight always speaks to us and do you know how and he speaks to us through the tangible. He speaks to us through our bodies, our minds, our feelings, our circumstances. Because that's all he's got to speak to us with. And he will always contradict what God's Spirit is saying. And so the only way we understand God's Spirit as being truth is to know Jesus. So the first thing Jesus says of every every human being is, I love you. And so much in us contradicts that. So much in us says, no, that's not true. And then we give all kinds of reasons. And so I want to encourage you just to learn, keep learning how to live from the inside out, as Megan mentioned, but how to live from the Spirit of God, as your truth. Now, we also talked last week about Peter having grown up in the context of a group of people. And the reason that's important is because there are a lot of people, believe me, there are a lot of people who say, yes, Jesus is my Lord and I love him, and he and I, we have sweet fellowship. I hate that word. Um, But what they mean is, I talk to Jesus and he talks to me, and I don't need you, thank you very much. The shorthand of that is I'm actually quite fearful. I'm really quite insecure. I'm hyper-spiritual, and I don't like to let my stuff be known, and I'm certainly not going to share it with you. I just want you to be alerted to the fact that that is one of the strategies of the enemy, is to super-spiritualize the teaching of Jesus into you and him, and nobody else is involved. And I promise you, you will get stunted, and you will be destroyed. You will become a religious uh, zealot like Saul who tried to kill Jesus. You will get offended by people and you'll get very legalistic because you cannot but be that when you won't be transparent and open. And it's really easy to see because you just prod somebody and see what comes out. And I've got a gift of prodding. I mean, I can irritate real quick. And and, and, And what comes out is your issue, not mine. There is truth to that. Because what is inside you is what is inside you. I didn't put it in there. And if I am an irritation, then deal with me. Show me the better way by the Spirit that God has placed in you. But I promise you, if we try and work this out in the company of only ourselves and Jesus, we will never grow. That's not a threat. It's just kind of, you know, the way it works. Um, One of the things we actually like to do is have so much mystery that there are no way it works. In other words do you like vagueness because then you can never be tested so these things are 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 shared that we might grow um in two corinthians is where i'm going to start this morning um and just kind of talk around this area because paul's talking about it two corinthians four paul is trying to talk about this visible invisible context and uh just try and stay with me. I'm certainly not going to go through this in detail because it would be totally frustrating. But verse 4, he, he makes this comment. He says, The God of this age has blinded the minds of unbelievers. So this is 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 4. The God of this age has blinded the minds of unbelievers so that they cannot see the light of the gospel that displays the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. For what we preach is not ourselves, but Jesus Christ as Lord, and ourselves as your servants for Jesus' sake let light shine out of darkness. Uh, Let light shine out of darkness. For God, sorry, who said, let light shine out of darkness, made his light shine in our hearts to give us the light of the knowledge of God's glory displayed in the face of Christ. But we have this treasure in jars of clay to show that this all-surpassing power is from God and not from us. The God of this age is blinded. So when you don't know God and you don't see Jesus, what do you see? All you see is what you see. All you see is the circumstances. So, if, if my circumstances work out, then God loves me. If I pray something and God answers and gets me a parking spot, then He loves me. Uh, if God doesn't cause any suffering and it rains, it doesn't rain on my birthday, then He loves me. And our perception of His love me, He loves me, is if my if my world is peaceful, then I'm in His favor, which is absolute nonsense. It is total nonsense because life isn't like that. Jesus was in his favor and he got killed. All the disciples were in his favor and they went through strife. Your circumstances do not determine whether God loves you or not. They're just your circumstances. And so that's very encouraging for those of us whose circumstances seem to be a turmoil a lot of the time. Because if you just try and control your circumstances in the tangible, you'll spend yourself, you, you'll spend your life... Trying to do that and your relationship with Jesus will be all tied up to that and it'll get very confusing and usually very discouraging over the long haul if I pray for somebody and they get sick God doesn't care but that's not God's agenda I'm absolutely convinced for instance that when we die most of us are going to say why didn't you bring me here sooner I mean why didn't I die as a child it's unfair of you to have left me on earth for so long. But from this perspective, keep me li- alive as long as possible. Because I don't have that perspective. Jesus said, I'm going to prepare a place for you and all the rest of it. But there's a sense of this is it. And he says, this isn't it at all. So Paul is talking about uh, living in this in this tension. We fix our eyes on what is unseen, but what is... Un- We fix our eyes not on what is seen, but what is unseen, since what is seen is temporary, what is unseen is eternal. We don't look at people from a worldly point of view, which he says uh, over the page. um, From now on, verse 16 of chapter 5, from now on we we regard no one from a worldly point of view, though once we regarded Christ in this way. Now Paul says that because he did. He saw Jesus as a religious leader, a zealot, who was totally up to lunch, and he went out to kill him. And he went out to kill those who were uh, followers of his. So Saul started off, which is Paul who is writing, Saul started off killing Christians, or certainly imprisoning them, and he was at the death of the first Christian martyr in Acts, Stephen. So he, looking from a worldly point of view, drew a totally opposite conclusion. From a worldly, tangible point of view, he concluded that what Jesus was saying and doing and his death was totally irrational in the light of Jewish teaching and the Old Testament, and that he could not possibly be the Messiah because we had worked out the interpretation and it doesn't fit our paradigm. Until Saul, walking to Damascus to to, to kill or imprison more Christians, was impacted by the invisible, which was Jesus' risen, and he says he throws him to the ground. And, you know, think God won't do some rough stuff. He will if he has to. And he threw him to the ground and Saul was blind. And he says, why are you persecuting me? And Saul's life and mind was totally transformed. He went into Damascus blind for three days. Then a man named Ananias, you know, terrified, he was asked to go and lay hands on this man who was a reputation for killing, uh, who says God doesn't ask you to do things that cause you to be afraid. And Ananias goes and lays hands on him and prophesies over him and says, Saul, God is going to use you, to build, basically to build the, build the Christian church. The most unlikely candidate, because he was so gifted, transformed by God's spirit, invisible to the visible, and tra- transforms him. He then takes him off for 14 years as he begins to work his spirit out in Paul and, and teach Paul things, and Saul had to work things out. Very many of us don't want those 14 years of having to work things out with the Lord. And this is the paradox. It's simple, it's complicated. It's quick, it's long. It all depends on how much he's allowed to engage us. And so Saul spends 14 years in in a backwater in Tarsus or in some other places, building up his own faith and his own understandings and his own character in in order for God to be able to use him to actually set the foundations in writing for the Christian church. So Saul becomes Paul... And Paul writes the letters to the Christian churches that he has planted that have become the bedrock of theology for the Christian church. And what he's writing this morning in 2 Corinthians is he's saying, My eyes are on the invisible as I live in this visible, and God is faithful even when times are hard. Now, he therefore says, um, say in 2 Corinthians 4, We have this treasure in jars of clay to show this all-surpassing power is is from God and not from us. And then listen to the description of his life. We are hard-pressed on every side, but not crushed. We are perplexed, but not in despair. We are persecuted, but not abandoned. We are struck down, but not destroyed. We always carry around in our body the death of Jesus, so that the life of Jesus may also be revealed in our body. For we who are alive are always being given over to death for Jesus' sake, so that his life may also be revealed in our mortal body. So then death is at work in us, but life is at work in you. If you go into the next chapter, um, he talks about, well, actually chapter 6, he talks about being Christ's ambassadors, and he, t- he talks about how um, in him we might become the righteousness of God. As God's co-workers, we urge you not to receive God's grace in vain. I tell you, now is the time of God's favor. Now is the day of salvation. We put no stumbling block in anyone's hand, uh, his path, Verse uh, chapter 6, and then he says this. Rather, as servants of God, we commend ourselves in every way, in great endurance, in troubles, hardships, and distresses, in beatings, imprisonments, and riots, in hard work, sleepless nights, and hunger, in purity, understanding, patience, and kindness, in the Holy Spirit, and sincere love, in truthful speech, and in the power of God, with weapons of righteousness in the right hand and in the left, He talks about uh, through glory and dishonor, bad report and good report, genuine yet regarded as imposters, known yet regarded as unknown, dying and yet we live on, beaten and yet not killed, sorrowful yet always rejoicing, poor yet making many rich, having nothing yet possessing everything. That's Paul's reality. Paul's reality is that as soon as he started following Jesus, he started attracting trouble, particularly when he started standing up and speaking and serving. And so he was beaten, he was taken in prison, he went through all kinds of consequences for saying Jesus is Lord in a land that says Caesar is Lord. So one of the things about keeping your circumstances peaceful is if you keep your circumstances peaceful, and that is your agenda, you will deny Jesus. As the cliche says, the only reason evil prevails is because good people do nothing. Ultimately, good people doing nothing are evil. And the battle we're in is a battle of discomfort and comfort. And the way the enemy works is to try and have you obsess on your comfort. He's doing quite a good job in North America. So it's about opening eyes to see what we don't see naturally. So there are two pots up here for that illustration. Clay vessels, the tangible. If this was a three dimension picture where the spiritual, you could see the spiritual now, the flower symbolizes the spiritual. How difficult is it to see the difference between these two? Where is the focus on this one and where is the focus on this one? When you look at the one with the flower in it, you look at the flower. The container actually goes into the background. This one, you focus on the empty container. It has nothing in it. Now in the spirit, when God, for instance, looks around us and he says, you're all earthen vessels. In the spirit, I'll tell you right now what it looks like. What do you think he will see? It's not judgment. This is not judgment. This is just pragmatism. It's gardening. What will he see? Now, where you... F- Many of these will be filled with all kinds of things. But it will be filled with everything that's tangible. It could be your work. It could be relationships. It could be holidays. It could be dreams. It's usually about self and how I can make myself happy and how I'm going to go about doing it. It's not, it's, this is not a vague thing. This is not possibly. This is truth. Jesus' light reveals the, the, the thoughts of our heart. It's not about judgment and and, and condemnation. It's just about where are the priorities and where is the investment. Paul says that as you actually begin to allow Jesus to work, so he grows in us that which is invisible. The Spirit births in us. See, this actually becomes who we are. This is life, joy, peace, patience, kindness, it cannot this one actually when you when you die this goes through that's left behind so they say why don't you lay up treasures in heaven why don't you invest in things that survive death the spirit lasts the that which is not of the spirit does not last so everything you invest in that you can see with your eyes will not come with you so Jesus came to say I want to invite you to invest in the things that bring life now because heaven begins now on earth as in heaven so seek first the kingdom of God what is the kingdom of God? it's the company of Jesus so how do you end up with love, joy, peace? you keep company with Jesus and he starts saying why are you worrying about that? does does Paul look free? does he sound free? In his letters, most of the time he does. He sounds very free, but he was very chained. Watch this video, see what you think. Maybe turn the lights down as well. You've seen this guy before, but just, I think... Uh <laughs> so, there's a man who, what you see... What do you see when you watch that? Do you see the jar of clay or do you see the spirit? Can we turn the lights on, please? So when we say, God, you don't understand, and he says, but I do understand. I do understand. If I can bring life to a man with no arms and legs, do you think I can't help you? Trouble is you want me to help you on your terms. And unless you're willing to walk along with me, you won't find life. You'll just find frustration. So he uses the analogy of, uh, you know, you are the you are the garden and you are the vine. I'm the vine, you are the branches, as a way of saying that's how I work. I cultivate the spirit. When I ask Jesus into my life, I look like that. Because this is only a, a result of the spirit. So there's no fooling. For him, it's really obvious. He goes, look for the flowers. Where there are no flowers, there's no faith. I'm not present. So. He says, "You can't cultivate the flower by where you place the pot necessarily." I mean, if we had the pot, the pot that I would have would be gold and gilted and full of money and treasures, just because it would provide the contrast. I want to get a bigger pot, a 10-room bedroom pot, a Porsche pot, whatever it is. Are they all wrong? for me to say but where your toys are there your heart is where your passions are there your heart is and Paul says you know Paul could have been a a university professor he could have been a a very influential man in the Jewish faith and he said once I found Jesus that all sort of fell away it was insignificant because I began to see with his eyes and what I was so entrusted and what I was following was just nothing have you ever had that? things you thought were important become unimportant the only the trouble is usually it's suffering that leads us to that revelation like you know i'm dying of cancer i'd give anything and i'd fill in the blank the things i would do if i could be free from the cancer because i suddenly get perspective and jesus goes it doesn't have to be that way it doesn't have to be that the suffering is what gives you the revelation of what's important If you let my light shine on you, I'll show it to you without cancer. I've actually come to heal cancer. But I want to nurture in you the things that bring life so that you can be ambassadors for life in the world in which you live. Spreading the fragrance of Jesus because who you are is different. And even if your circumstances are challenging, there's something in you that radiates a difference. That people say, what is it? And you go... I just have found a place where I am whole even in my brokenness. It's called Jesus. So in John 15, Jesus says, I am the true vine and my father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit while every branch that does bear fruit he prunes. In John 6, it says the spirit gives life and the the flesh counts for nothing. So as we come to Jesus and as we begin to follow him, um, I come to him and say, I just like this to be actually full and pleasing and, you know, like I can enjoy it. And he goes, I'm actually not interested in anything other than building up in you what I created you to be in the first place. And it's not dependent on the tangible. Because if it were, then there lots of people would be excluded. It would mean you'd have to have education or you'd have to have wealth or you'd have to have something for me to work. But the kingdom of heaven comes from heaven to earth so that anyone on any economic level can access it. And so he says, when you start work, when you start walking with Jesus, what does he do? He begins to rise up in you some of the tensions, and he doesn't rise up, raise up the tensions in order to condemn. He says, this is getting in the way, so let me prune that. And it's easier to do that in the context of other people because he will raise things more easily, and he just says, let me prune that, which means forgive people. Uh, stop worrying about yourself. Let somebody, you know, care about somebody else. All kinds of characteristics he's building in you so that you can grow like this. As you grow like this, you become increasingly free of this. You just recognize that this is what it is. It's a tangible thing that has positives and negatives, but it's not my life. So I'm, I'm expecting when I follow Jesus, I'm going to have tensions. I'm not going to be surprised. And I'm going to need, you, you know... He, Nick uh, that was Nick Vitchik or whatever his name is, and uh, the girl was I can't remember her name, Brenda or Brittany. Uh, she had an arm bitten off by a shark while she was surfing. Um, when you you know it's people who who say, well that's where it is, both of them are Christians, both of them are very be- being powerfully used by God, and why are they powerfully used by God? Because you have a man with no arms and feet standing on a desk here, hopping around, and you want to cry. Because you say, how can he be because of? And he looks back and says, how can you be because of? And God will use the foolish, and he will use the broken, again and again and again to get our attention. Because he says, you don't get it. Life is not about, fill in the blank. And so the the Father wants to nurture in us the things that will bring life. And he's interested in forgiveness and unforgiveness, relationships. He's interested in values, love. How is love released? I mean, some of us go, you you know, you get what you invest. So you go, what do we invest in developing our relationship with God? Nick was on that board and he couldn't get up, so he had somebody on that board with him and he lifted him up. He had the humility to say, I need help. He got on the board and that together they had a lot of fun. The same is true with us and Jesus. He says, if you actually hang out with other people who've got abilities that you don't have, you can have a lot of fun growing up like this. Try and do it on your own, you'll get very frustrated, very disillusioned, you'll probably give up. And you'll start repainting your bowl again. What I need is a change, what I need is a holiday. What I I need is is another jacket. What I need is more food. What I need is give me a drug. It's all coming out of the pot. I need another man. I need another woman. I need another this. I need another that. It's all coming out of the pot. Always is. When I can say, I don't really need it, but it would be nice. And he says, sure, go on a holiday. Sure, go do this. Sure, go do that. Because you're still living in this context. So he's not totally denying that just saying as long as it's in the right place you enjoying this (laughs) this is kind of the basis for and then we'll finish this is the basis for understanding what god is doing with the gifts of the spirit all right the gifts of the spirit about speaking in tongues or about uh, this thing speaks in tongues by the way i couldn't care less what your theology is it does Called Flower power and it speaks in tongues. Why? Because it's the language of the kingdom and it does do it. Um, but what's more important now I've lost my train of thought. The the, the gift when Paul when, when Jesus took Peter, what did he say to him? He said to him, He's fishing and he says, Depart from me, I'm a sinful man And Peter and Jesus says, You're right. He doesn't. He says, I will make you a fisher of men, or people, as they say in the politically correct versions. That's a prophetic word. What Jesus is speaking there, he's seeing the clay vessel, he's seeing the clay pot full of fish wriggling on the ground, flapping away, feeling guilty, and he says, "Peter, Simon Peter, actually, I'm going to make you a fisher of men. Are you a fisher of men? No, now, no. But that is what my destiny is over you. That is my word over you. It's going to take us four years." to get to the beginning of that. And I'm going to teach you and train you and through our relationships and through our uh, struggles, because Peter, remember when we talked about this last week, when, when Jesus was going to the cross, the clay vessel, Peter said, no, don't. And Jesus said, get behind me, Satan. From Peter's perspective, he was saying, I'm speaking common sense, avoid trouble. From Peter's perspective, he spoke with his voice, his mind, his heart, his passion. And Jesus said, that's Satan. It felt like Peter to Peter. Jesus said, you've got to discern the spirit that's behind what you do. So he said, get behind me, Satan. Now, Peter, you come with me. He just called it, and then he moved on. And Peter had to learn the difference. And he learned the difference on the road with Jesus and his friends, not on his own. The quickest way to learn how this works is to get involved and do stuff. Jesus spoke prophetically over Peter, and Peter began to walk into it. So Peter was the one who got out of the boat. If it's you, Lord, let me walk. And he goes, oh, shoot, I should should get my mouth shut. The other 11 are saying, Peter always gets himself in trouble. Peter walks on water, and he comes back, and he's drenched because he sank. He was afraid. But he walked two steps further than anyone else. Nobody else has ever walked on water except Jesus. So Peter can say, I tried. And he held me and he brought me back to the boat. And I have a sort of sense, I know now that if I fail, he's still there for me. That makes me bolder. Then he twists it around at the crucifixion and says, I'll never leave you because he thinks, oh shoot, this is me. And Jesus says, no, Peter, you're going to deny me. No, I'm not. They have that scrap. And then Peter finds out that he was a bit of a coward who wouldn't be then. And he discovers Jesus coming back and saying, do you love me? And his spirit rises up. Of course I love you. And, and this time his spirit just rockets up because it's actually been nurtured much more than he realizes. And Jesus sees what Peter doesn't even see yet. And then he says, now you feed my lambs. And, after, and he says, you'll need Pentecost. You'll need the spirit because the spirit has to keep this thing alive. But Peter's got it now. And so he starts walking through the streets of Jerusalem with a different spirit in him. And that's when he starts saying, be healed and people get healed as if Jesus is alive because Jesus is alive in him. You have to nurture the spirit, which is totally different to everything we know. Get used to the tension, the confusion, but it's what leads to life. And so the prophetic words, that's why we bring prophetic people in here. That's why God's teaching us how to speak prophetically. Why? You read the the Gospels and, and you hear about Simon Peter all the time. You read Acts and it's Peter. Because through the Gospels, Simon is becoming Peter and Peter is letting go of Simon. It's a transition. Until the break is made and he becomes the new creation in a much more powerful way. That's what God is doing in you and me. He has a name for you that is what he wants you to walk into so that you can receive your inheritance. You have an inheritance to cash in now on earth, not when you die. Nobody has an inheritance when they're dead. Jesus died so that an inheritance could be left for you, for you to take hold of, to enable you to live like this. This smells like love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, long-suffering. This looks totally beautiful to the world, but very strange. But the world is absolutely longing and longing and longing for the. It's only when they see it that they realize their hunger. And as they see it, they grab out and they say, I want that. You can have that. It's in Jesus. What I have is yours. What is inside you is what will change the world. The spirit brings life, the flesh counts for nothing. So what God wants to do is speak words over each other, us over each other, calling forth that which we don't yet see. Calling forth that which we don't yet see. So that you might become so much more than you can ask or imagine. He hasn't even been, he's not even close to finishing with us. And you have a choice whether you want that to become visible. Or you just want to stay safe in this, which means that you just don't grow. You just stay potted. So that's nurtured when we worship. That's nurtured when we pray. That's nurtured when we read the scriptures. That's nurtured when we walk together. That's when that grows. And that's why Paul could write, despite all his sufferings, he comes to this thing, uh, this conclusion. In all things, God works for good, for the good of those who love him. In all things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us, for I am convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. And so Paul lived from that place of saying, I am totally secure in Jesus. Now my circumstances can be what they will until I die. I trust him with it. Settled the matter. Once he settled the matter, it wasn't an issue anymore. Now it was just, Lord, what are you saying here, and how do you want to use me? I'm going to finish with a quote, and then we're going to pray, from Randy Clark's book. uh, It's a little book called Pressing In. And I just love the way he put this, as as the question that's rising up, and we're going to really consider this morning, is where is the longing of our heart, and where is our priority going to be, and what is our desire and he puts it like this. God is looking for people whom he can, uh, he can show himself strong. Let me, let me actually just interrupt myself. I think over the summer, one of the things we might do on Tuesday nights, I've been wrestling over this, um, but I think one of the things we might do is talk about on Tuesday evenings, how do, we, how do I become a person where God can nurture his spirit like that? Because it doesn't just happen. I have to intentionally... How do, how do we, how do we grow as, continue to grow as a community where God's Spirit wants to, is able to work with freedom? Some of the answers are relational, turning up, being involved, all that stuff. But there's a sense of how do we foster an environment where God's Spirit can grow and accelerate? And this is one of the factors. God is looking for people through whom He can show Himself strong. How does He show Himself strong? By working through the people who are willing to be yielded so that He can show Himself strong through them. The Bible says God is actually looking around the earth for someone through whom he can show himself strong. It's a quote from 2 Chronicles 16:9. If his eyes were upon your city today, would he find you crying out, God, let your eye fall on me, for I want to be totally yielded. I want to be that person through whom you can show yourself strong. I want to be the coin in your pocket for you to spend any way you want. I want your glory to rest on me. I want to be the donkey that you ride on. I just want to be yielded, God, and I want to believe that I can be the person that you clothe yourself with. Isn't that a cool phrase? I want to be the person that you can clothe yourself with. I want to believe, God, that I can be mightily used in your kingdom. God, in my heart, I'm saying to you, please look upon me and let your grace fall upon me because I want to reveal your glory. Show yourself strong through my life. Let's stand. Show yourself strong through my life. As John said, John the Baptist, he must increase and I must decrease. Now in the best possible world, the way I'm talking this morning should be exciting to you. Because everything you struggle with is just the humanity in you. And God says, we're just going to cause that to die. I'll help you not feed it. But the things that you cry out for, that you're looking for in the tangible, I will give you in relationship with me. I will give you from my spirit. So, Father, I pray right now that you just open our eyes to see the spiritual dimension of our lives. Thank you that there's no condemnation at all in you. But we're going to ask two things this morning. The one thing is, Lord, is there anything you want to talk to me about that's getting in the way? And and he just wants to prune it. He just wants to say, will you give me permission to begin to take your hands off that? Because it's getting too much time and it's not producing much fruit. Now, it could be a sickness. Some people have identities through sickness and God actually wants to heal them, but they're afraid of being healed because then they have to be responsible. Just goes to show how screwed up we can get. Father, just breathe across this room right now, I pray, with your spirit. And and gently show us, we pray, where things are bigger than they should be. And you're just saying, that's getting in the way. Why don't you just let me take that? Because I want to, pl- I want to replace it with something better. And I need you to trust me. And maybe our lack of trust is something we have to give him. I don't know. It could, but he is a gardener. You know, we, probably many of us have been doing gardening in the last few weeks. I know Cheryl spent the whole of Saturday gardening, and what she did was did a lot of weeding, a lot of cleaning up, a lot of cutting. It's what we do in the garden. We take away the stuff that doesn't bear fruit to make room for the stuff that does. God is a gardener, and he's looking at your life, and he says, I need to do some weeding because there's some beautiful things I'm planting. So don't be afraid. And Jesus, I just speak against every lie, every deception, every word of fear that would come in and whisper right now. Command it to be loosened, and I speak the light of Jesus into this place, his light and his love and his power. I pray that you release uh, trust to believe for what we don't yet see. So as you bring him something that maybe he's shown you that is getting in the way, and you just lay that at his cross and say, Lord, forgive me. I got in the way. He just goes, great. I'm so glad you did that. And I receive from him because he wants to give you a gift. He wants to say, but you know, you can never outgive me. So I want to give you. What's, what's the cry of your heart right now? What's something you need? Tell me. I give to you patience. You want patience? I give to you joy. You want joy? I give to you love. You've got love. Kindness. Hope. You want hope? Do you want victory? I give you victory but I don't feel it don't worry I've given it to you you'll get it it's growing in you just keep growing do you know how to grow grow God's seeds just say thank you thank you for the victory you've given me over that which I don't even feel right now and he says that's cool that's growing thank you Lord thank you thank you thank you that you are faithful thank you that you are kind some of us maybe it's patience because this might take some time and it doesn't grow like Jack in the beanstalk, we say, God didn't work because it's not here today. He says, it's growing. And I'm growing you in other ways so that you can manage what is growing. Trust me, trust me, trust me. Father, bless what you're doing right now. Bless what you're doing in the spiritual realm. Thank you, thank you for what you're planting, for what you're growing, for what you're nurturing even now. of you might need faith. Just ask him for faith to believe. He says, I've already put faith in you. Otherwise, you wouldn't have even asked me for that. He'll trick you. He plays with you. He says, I've given you more than you realize. So just bless what you're doing. Receive the Holy Spirit in all his mystery and all his love to do in you what you cannot do in yourself. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Father. Father, you have a name over every person here, that name which is of your kingdom, that name like Peter received upon this rock I will build my church. And so I call forth the name in each person here, the name that Jesus has placed over you. And I call forth boldness to to rise up in you, to enter into the name that the Father has over you, that you would step into the name of your identity that is part of the citizenship of the kingdom of King, the king of kings. And I pray for a hunger to rise, that we will not be satisfied with the clay pots and the earthen vessels. A hunger to rise for the Spirit of God. I pray for daring and risk to rise, that we would lay hands on people and see what happens. You have a wonderful future ahead of you and an even more dynamic present. It's right here. So thank you. Thank you, Jesus. Today is the day of salvation. We rest.